Meaningfulness is something we have and we take it to our jobs. My job is not what gives me my value and my purpose. I bring my value and purpose to my job. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here, Max. Yeah, again, thanks for coming on. How's the end of April for you so far? Or how is April, actually? How's April? You know, in the last five years, I don't think I've lived the same day over for five years. Every day is a brand new adventure because of the work I do. And when I left my regular occupation and started doing my own thing, like it's every day is a brand new day. So I feel like every day is a Wednesday with a mix of Friday and a touch of Sunday every day. So anyway, it's exciting. Life is very exciting. It's an adventure. Awesome. And that's just a good theme, a good segue into our discussion. Because as you know, my podcast is about helping professionals take their career to the next level, whether again, that's through job search or finding a bigger purpose in their career. And I think you have a great expertise in helping people find their purpose and passion into getting meaningful work. But before we dive into that, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and the type of work that you do? I was a teacher for a long time and I was in my late forties and I felt like I had gotten to a place where I felt kind of trapped in my own life and I liked life and what it was. But as a teacher, I was on a field trip one time and I was kind of in this wrestling match over my life kind of being trapped. And I came to this enclosure at the zoo And there was this cage. It wasn't very big. It was like this dome-shaped fence, about as big as a big living room with a tall ceiling. And there was a tree. And this tree spread out and filled most of this area. And I looked and didn't see anything. And so I read the placard and it said some kind of eagle. And I was like, there can't be an eagle in here. Like there's nowhere to go. And sure enough, up on this branch is this eagle. And I felt myself having a conversation with this eagle. I felt like for two years, (laughs) when I thought about the eagle, I thought, you know what? It's comfortable and I'm comfortable. It's secure. They don't put the enemy in there. And that's kind of what my life was. It was secure. And then it also had the element of having a good reputation. Because every now and then somebody would stop and see the eagle and say, look, mom, it's an eagle. Isn't that cool? That was my life too. I had an occupation working at a pretty prestigious school and people thought, oh, Mark works there. That's cool. But the problem was me and that eagle had something else in common. That eagle was never getting to use its wings. It never needed to. And that was me. I had so much more in me that I couldn't do anything with because my job was this confined thing. And so I left that job and a lot of things changed in my life for the better. And now I just live and I'll live the rest of my life with this one mission. It's simply helping people know their purpose. And 
overcome any obstacles that have them in the way of living it out boldly. Because I want people to live and fully live. And if we're an eagle, I want us to fly. So now that's what we do. My wife and I, that's what we do. We help people with their purpose. And we have a program called the Purpose Mastermind, where we walk people through an eight-week journey of knowing their purpose and overcoming any mental roadblocks that keep them from jumping off of the branch and just flying. So that's what we do. You said like you were in a very comfortable situation as a teacher at a prestigious school, right? And a lot of people are unhappy, but they're also comfortable. So it's one of those things where they don't really feel the need to take the leap. In a way, it's kind of like laziness, right? As in, because I work with like professionals too, when it comes to like career coaching, as you know, and they would call me saying that they're happy with their environment and they want to change. But then this might be the first time they'll ever like work with a career coach and I go through the program, go through the price. Then they say, I'll think about it, right? Because again, it's still risky because they've never done before. Yeah. And then at that point, they end up just being, you know what, it's not as bad as I thought, I'll just stick it out, right? So they never really take that action and make that step. But for you, what did you do to say, so yes, you are comfortable, but what made you pull out of that comfort zone to get yourself uncomfortable to build the life that you have today? That is a great question because you're so right. Imagine a river and the shore of the river, the land. On the land, there's a comfort of just sitting in a chair and sipping on tea. But I feel like life is made for the river where there's the adventure and to get in a boat and like go somewhere. But there's danger there. There's risk. I guess inside of me, I just, I can only describe it. I felt like there was a one inch tall lion that was racing around the inside of my heart, just one inch tall (laughs) with just this gentle roar that there's something more that I want to fully live because that comfort just doesn't satisfy. I think for me, there was a tension and the way that tension showed up is I was eating myself to death. I think comfort, because comfort doesn't satisfy, we have to have more. I think this is why we binge on television shows and binge on alcohol and binge on some activity because we need something to numb the fact that our comfort isn't enough. And so for me, it was food. And I just, I could see myself as a man descending. It, honestly, it scared me to think that I would, number one, I would never fly. Number two, I would never do things that my heart wanted to do for people. And the other thing that scared me is I thought if I don't do something, I'm just going to keep gaining weight until I die. And I'll never really live. So those tensions were going on in me. And then Max, I'll never forget this day. I was on a treadmill walking (laughs) and the guy gave me a book to read. And I don't read books a lot, but I read this. I started to read this book. And next to me on the treadmill was my wife. And the first line of the book simply said, stop living as if the goal of life is to arrive at death safely. And so after two years of wrestling with that whole time in my life, I handed the book to my wife and I said, read that first line. 
And I told her I'm leaving the school. So the next day I went to school, called the administrator and said, this is my last year. I'm going to be done. And that's where that, so in, long answer to your question, because I think it's a great question. That's where I was as a man. Inside of me was something that really wanted to live. And my comfort was killing me. And I just had to just, if I was the eagle, I had to crawl under the fence and leave the cage. And that's what I did. To take a step back, when you're in your early to mid-20s, you don't have a lot of responsibilities, right? Compared to when you're older, you have a family, a wife or husband. So people tend to be more risk-averse because there's more at stake. When you're in your 20s, you don't make a lot of money to begin with. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. You might just be paying rent, right? And then as you get older, you have a mortgage, you have a family to provide for. So people tend to be more risk-averse and they may believe that it's too late for them to make a change. What's your thoughts and opinions on that? And what's some advice that you have for more of the middle-aged people? Well, first of all, for me, I got married when I was 21 years old. (laughs) We had three kids by age 27. And so I would say this, there's nothing more risky to our life than not living the life we were made for. It feels like such a risk to leave a job. But if I'm a parent and my kids are watching me live, I need to show them a life worth following. And if I'm living comfortable, I'm not showing them a life worth following. So I get that. And I would say this, because we do a lot of mentoring with young couples and we encourage them Build the life you want to live. Don't do what everyone else is doing. (laughs) You know, don't see how expensive that car you can get. Don't see how expensive a house you can get. So you can live the way you want to live. My wife and I were both teachers for many years. So we didn't have a lot of money being teachers. But because we lived simple, when we were both about age 50, we could do whatever we wanted with our lives because we didn't have this massive budget that we had to keep fulfilled. So we could do whatever we wanted. And we both have left our careers and now we both do this thing together full time. So you found your purpose, but a lot of people, as you know, they struggle to find their purpose, right? Yeah. And you've mentioned that people find it hard to find meaningful work. Like they graduate, they work at a big company, they get excited for the first like couple of months, but then it tends to get repetitive. They tend to get like, comfortable, bored, and sometimes even miserable. So why is it hard to find meaningful work when there's all these careers being advertised, how you can make good money, how you'll be doing a lot of these fun projects, being innovative, but then when they actually start doing it, over time, they start losing that fire in terms of doing fulfilling work. So why is it hard to find meaningful work for people? I think the number one reason is simply this. Jobs do not bring us meaningfulness. Meaningfulness is something we have and we take it to our jobs. My job is not what gives me my value and my purpose. I bring my value and purpose to my job. It's a huge difference. If I'm asking my job to give me purpose, I'm asking my job to give me something it can't give me. But if I have purpose and I take it to my job, 
You see, many people look for validation in the work that they do. It's a trap. It is an absolute trap to look for your validation in the work that you do. Because frankly, Max, 99.9% of people don't care what job we work. They care about two things. They care about who we actually are. And they care why we do what we do. So our jobs have massive importance, all of us. All of us, I think our job has massive value. But the reason our job matters so much is because we matter so much. My job doesn't make me matter. I make my job matter. So this is what I tell people. You got to begin with your personal purpose, and then you can go look for a job to take that purpose to. But if you don't have personal sense of what your purpose is personally, you'll be always disappointed in how jobs don't give you purpose. You make a good point because a lot of people are trying to find meaning in their job, but you're supposed to bring yourself into the job and provide meaning to the job. A lot of people have it backwards. Yeah. Why do you think that is? And that's probably why a lot of people are not like happy or fulfilled once they get the job, right? So for example, if you are an individual contributor and then you get promoted to a manager, you work so hard for it. And then a few months of being manager, you go back to a baseline, so to speak, and you're back to where you are. So why has that message been ingrained with everyone when it comes to making uh, the job matter to you more than the other way around? Well, I think intrinsically, we all have a desire. We want our life to matter. Like I want to matter. Like I think we should all think that way. We should all want to matter. But the struggle is, how do I matter? How does a human being matter in this world? And if I feel like I don't matter, life is very discouraging. So we're looking for something about us that causes us to feel like we matter. And this is just a human thing. Think back to childhood. Think back to little kids in school. Like everyone's looking for their thing to show, look, I'm this. Look, I got straight A's in school. Look, I'm a football player. Look, I'm on the dance team. We're all looking for something to validate ourselves. And when you become an adult, it appears that the job is the only way to validate yourselves to people. So hopefully you can go and meet people and say, hi, John, my name is Tom and my job is I'm an electrical engineer. So hopefully the answer to our occupation, we want it to validate ourselves to people. But there again, you're right. It's upside down. We're trying to get our job to validate us. We validate the job. (laughs) The job by itself is boring. If Max is doing the job, it's awesome. And I think it's like that for everybody. Like all of us can make the job awesome because of who we are when we show up and do it. Yeah, it goes back to what you said, right? I think when people are unhappy, it's not really about the job. It's more about the internal struggle of, like, as you said, feeling important. That's why I think when it comes to jobs, people value the praise from their boss more so than the actual salary. If mm. they make 100K, for example, and they get no praise or they get beat down by their boss all the time, compared to, let's say, making 80K, but you get praised a lot by your boss, they tend mm. to be more happy that way, right? Because again, it goes back to trying to get validation from the job, but it shouldn't, that you shouldn't put all your emotion into a job, especially with all the people getting laid off in the recession. Yeah. Again, the thing about getting laid off is a lot of these people, 
it feels like don't matter, right? Like, yes, they lost income, but I think the fact that they thought something mattered to them no longer matters, that it really strikes a chord with them. So how yeah. do you help people deal with that type of grief? Yeah, I remind people of who they are and that their job does not determine their legacy. Their job does not determine their value. I think when people lose a job, it becomes an opportunity not just to find the next job, but to find themselves. I just talked to a man just the other day. He works at a school as kind of a strength coach, strength and conditioning coach, and helps to coach the eighth grade football team. And he said the head coach called him into the office for a meeting and he thought, you know, he wanted to maybe promote him to something. And he basically told him, we don't need you to coach football anymore. And then Oklahoma... <laughs> Football's the thing. Like if you coach football at any level, like, oh, you coach football. Well, he was told he does not need it anymore. And this is a great man. And frankly, I was like, I told him, I said, Daniel, this is awesome. It's awesome. Because for you to think that your value is in how long you coach that eighth grade football team, in actuality, this frees up time for you to dream of other ways that you can use your purpose in this world. And you might find something even more amazing to do with that time. Frankly, I think the earlier that someone loses a job, the better. So we can realize that, wait, I can't put my identity with my job. The cruelest reality is if someone works a job maybe for 40 years I know of a man that just two years ago, he worked in a certain industry for about 30 years and they kept telling him that you're going to be the next CEO and they were grooming him to be the CEO. But then they decided 30 years in, they decided, you know, I want to sell the company. And the best way to sell the company was to get rid of his salary. And so he was let go. He had climbed the ladder for 30 years. And then now you're told, we don't need you on this ladder. And he's let go. Now, that is a crisis that can lead to major mental issues. So I think the earlier we get fired from something and realize, wait a second, my job is not my identity, probably the better. So we learn from that. Another thing I want to quickly touch upon is also retirement, right? A lot of people's depression accelerates during the retirement years because, again, they don't have a job anymore and they lose their purpose. And yeah, the first couple of years might be good. They're traveling and stuff. But then once that dies down, the novelty dies down, then again, they feel that lack of purpose again. So it, it goes back to really trying to focus on what you bring to the table, not what the job can bring you. Oh, yeah. I, for one, am not living for retirement. I want to do what I am doing until I can't do anything anymore. I want to do what I'm doing and then die. The way that we have value in life is by being able to give value to this world. So for me to think that, man, I can't wait till I wake up and I have nothing to do. That sounds like torture. <laughs> that sounds awful to me. I want to be able to enjoy work every day and bring value to people. I think we can all do that. So for people listening or watching the show, 
let's say again, they're either they got laid off, they're just fed up their job, they're tired of being in their comfort zone, so to speak, and they want to make a change. And we've already established that trying to find your next job without solving the internal problems first is a recipe for disaster. So what is your roadmap or strategy in terms of doing some self-discovery in order to put yourself in the right direction to achieve career success and get that self-fulfillment that you've been seeking? Yeah, the roadmap that we've really spent 30 years to put together this roadmap of purpose, it would probably take two hours for me to describe what this roadmap is because it's an eight-week thing we take them through. And I don't want to come across as if we're selling anything to anybody because I just want to help people. From the youngest of ages, we're almost taught by society that your job is your legacy. From first grade, when you have dress-up days at school and you dress up like an occupation, it's like you're being taught that's your value. And then we go through life and we get a job, we stumble into a job, however we get it. And then it's like, man, I don't know that I can do this every day, five days a week for the next 30 years. And I would just say that when that problem comes, have the courage to do the work inside of you. Who are you really? And answer the question of purpose. I encourage people, you've got to be able to answer in one sentence what your purpose is. Because purpose is like this concrete foundation upon which you build the house of your life. And so when a person clarifies their purpose, it's almost like a pair of glasses you wear that help you walk into everything you do with a sense of meaning. And so if a person's trapped trying to find their way in life, I would first of all say to anyone who's like that, there's nothing wrong with you. Everyone gets there at some point. There's nothing wrong with you. You're lost in the wilderness, but everyone has a purpose and they can know that purpose. If I'm stuck in life, I'm not going to try to fix myself. I'm going to try to find myself. And finding yourself begins with answering one question. What is your purpose? So how can people get that answer? Obviously, it's not going to be an overnight thing. So what are some actual advice that you could provide to help them on the path to finding their purpose? First of all, it's not outside of you. It's inside of you. It's not outside of you. We've spent a lifetime looking outside of us thinking, if I get that, then I'll arrive. Nope. It's a thing inside of you that you give. It's not a thing outside of you that you get. And so the changing of that mindset, another mindset that it's so critical in finding purpose is not about us. It's about others. The harder you try to figure yourself out and figure out what thing you should do, the more difficult it is to find the purpose inside of you. I think that your story is what you told me before we recorded about how you helped some people with occupation and stuff. And then you thought, well, maybe I can turn this into a career. It's a beautiful story. And it was very simple. All it was, you're helping people. You're like, I can help more people like this. And so purpose is inside of you, not outside of you. And purpose is not about you. It's about others. 
As long as it's about you, it's hard to find. When it's about others, you're much closer to the right mindset to finding it. So those are a couple of the thoughts I would give about purpose. You make a good point about it's what you can do for people, right? In terms yeah. of like what you can provide them. A lot of people are trying to find purpose through like selfish reasons, right? Yeah. For example, maybe this career is better suited for me. Maybe doing this might help my mindset, right? But yeah. it, do it, and the way I'm phrasing it is like, you're, you're basically doing stuff for you, but you're not doing stuff for other people. Yeah. But from what I've heard, people who tend to give tend to be more happier mm -hmm. than people who are just in it for themselves. Completely. I think we do some work with parents on parenting. And we tell parents, there's only one thing you need to teach your child. And it takes 18 years to teach them this. It's very simple. Life's not about you. If I'm looking at my life and my world and, I, and it's about me, everything will be a struggle. But if it's about other people, life just opens up. It just it almost appears before you with opportunity when life's about others. But boy, we tend to get so inward focused and life's about me. I need to think about me and I need to get my career. I need to get my legacy. We get so self-focused that we can't see well. So that's the, if life's not about me, life really works, but it takes a while to get there. Yeah, like one thing is like, why do a lot of people want to start side hustles or start their business, right? They believe that they're not making enough money, so they want to make more money. How can I make more money? So it goes back to the I. But some of the most successful entrepreneurs actually make a lot more money than these people that are saying what I can't do to make more money. Their philosophy is what problem am I trying to solve? Which yes. is, again, you're helping others by solving a problem. That tends to be the key in terms of trying to make more money because when you're solving people's problems or thinking of ways to solve people's problems, you're going to get people wanting to pay you to help solve it compared to being, again, focusing on yourself on how you can make money because no one wants to help someone who's selfish. That is a, I'm so glad you said that. There are so many false messages being sent out there to people. For instance, if you get on social media, there's a lot of messages about how to make seven figures as a coach or something like that. Well, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Like it's not going to happen. That's not how life works. How can I make seven figures? How can I make a lot of money? If it does happen, I'll probably ruin myself in the process. You're so right. I know people that are massively successful, but it all began from a heart of just wanting to solve problems that humans have. That's the heart behind, and it's still the heart behind what they do. They're just trying to solve problems that other human beings have. And so all the books that say, hey, buy this book, you'll make a million dollars. Buy this course, you'll be a millionaire. It's not going to work. We're climbing the wrong tree. It just will not work. Yeah, going back to what you said about like coaches, coaching programs, courses, like, People are trying to find that key to help them make more money. But again, you have to start with the foundation. What problem are you trying to solve? What problem are you passionate about solving? And how can yeah. you package it in a way that your audience will understand what you do so they are willing to pay you to help them solve the problem? Yes. Yeah, well said. So we talked earlier about like careers with younger professionals. 
And there's always that pressure of trying to pick a career as quickly as possible in your 20s, especially when you graduate. Why is there so much pressure when it comes to getting these newly minted grads to pick a career right away compared to trying to do some self-discovery, maybe possibly bounce around a little bit in order to find what they really want? Well, I love what you just said about giving people the freedom to kind of, you know, bounce around a little bit. It's totally fine. Like, you know, the more important we make the job decision, the more difficult it is to make it. So if I feel like my job is my purpose and my legacy, you feel like you're making a decision and it better be right (laughs) because this is the legacy of your life. It makes it very difficult to choose that. Yeah, you know, clearly, especially in today's day and age, people are going to work multiple jobs. There's no need to feel like I have to choose the perfect job when I'm 21 years old. If I'm 21, I'm going to look for a job when I'm 21 to be around the kind of people I want to be around. And by that, I don't mean like people that are just fun to be around. If I'm 21, I want to be around the kind of leaders that will help me grow as a person. That's what I'm going to want. I've got a son who's 25. He's kind of a general manager in a restaurant franchise. And he chose that job because of the great owner that's there. This owner actually wants my son to own a restaurant and he's helping him get there. So that's why my son took that job there was because of how this owner really wants to build him as a leader. You make a good point. Again, it goes back to a young professional. They go for the prestigious company, the title. But I've learned through my career that it's not really about the brand name of the company or the title. It's, it's about the people you work with because those people, whether it's your boss or colleagues, are going to make your break your experience in that job. And yeah. the right people can elevate you and the wrong people can definitely hinder your career progress. Yeah. You know, just today on the news, I heard about a couple prominent people getting fired. And the reality is the jobs we have at some point, we're not going to be working it either because they don't want us working it or we don't want to work it. Like it's not going to be a thing. And by the way, that's okay. That's okay. That's not going to be a thing. And going back to what you said about like, how they want to make the right choice at 21, the right career, which goes back to the culture of avoiding failure. Because I've had that too, right? It's all about that perfectionism, like don't make any mistakes and make sure you make the right move. So again, it goes back to people want to choose the safe option, which tends to be more, the most comfortable option. And then they end up being in that inner struggle trying to get out, but they're, they're too afraid to take that jump. So how can people change their mindset of what failure is to embrace failure and to continue in a way, fail fast to speed up your success, to figure out what you do want to do? What you just described, probably one of the most fundamental aspects of life we began the episode talking about comfort. It feels like comfort and security is the most important landing spot in life. It's a lie. (laughs) If you want comfort, you can't live. So failure is a great asset. Someone I was talking to the other day, I think my daughter-in-law even. As a child, she was always wildly successful in sports and in academics. And then even in college, she was in sports and academics. And I said, you have a disadvantage. I said, you were always very successful as a kid. It doesn't give you a good mindset for what life is. 
Life is a very imperfect journey that doesn't make it bad. It's just what it is. But when we think that life is this straight A experience, it's not what life is. We're all about a 71% at best. Like I'm a C minus human, but I'm great with that. And life is great like that. So I think, boy, facing failure, I don't know that anyone really lives until they face failure and realize that living to avoid failure is not living at all. So we don't live haphazardly, but to live to avoid failure, you will not live at all. So let's go to your personal story. Like, What was one big failure that you had and how did that change your perception of failure? I love to talk about failure. I used to hide failure my whole life. My whole life, the story of my life was I'm afraid to admit weakness. That was the story. Nothing held me back more as a man than my inability to admit weakness. And now I just always do. So I'll tell a story from the work that we do. So when I left teaching, I decided to get involved. We're starting this business of helping people. We want to help people thrive at marriage and thrive at parenting and thrive at their sense of purpose. And we decided to do to go to this massive conference where there's like 2,000 brides. It was a bridal show. And we rented a booth and we got all prepared and made some signs and developed this program that we're going to help young couples get ready for marriage. So there's going to be 2,000 brides this weekend. And we're going to get a bunch of them to sign up for this course. And we stood there that weekend and not a single person signed up for the course. Nobody. We even gave away one package for the event. And the couple that won the package didn't even do the course. So we struck out completely. Looking back, that is how you develop the muscles for the work you do. If we didn't strike out, we wouldn't be hitting home runs. I think the only way to hit a home run is to strike out multiple times. And so that's just one example from our business life. And going back to the baseball analogy, right? Like the top baseball players only hit like one out of three. There's no such thing as a perfect batting average, right? It's usually hovering around the uh, 0.3 mark. Uh, And that's even rare now with like how pitchers are getting better. So as you said, don't try to go for perfect. Just again, failures. There's a lot of learning lessons in failures to help you get better. Yeah. Yeah. We can't live until we failed. We just can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you say you have a 25 year old son. What's some advice that you've instilled upon him from your own experience so he doesn't make the same mistakes that you made at that age? I've got a son who's 29, a daughter who's 27. I tell you, let me just say, if anyone's listening to this, let me just say the most important thing I would say. For much of my life as a man, I was afraid to admit weakness about me. And I didn't realize how much that hurt me and how much it held me back. And I didn't realize how much it impacted my kids to be that man. Five years ago, I became a man who could admit my weakness and it changed my life and it changed theirs. Because probably the biggest downfall we all have as humans is the fear that there's something wrong with me. And as soon as we find something wrong with us, 
we don't know what to do with that. So we can live the rest of our life kind of hiding and coping and like just, you know, compensating and faking our way through. And we live, no one's ever going to know I have a weakness. When I, as a man, showed my kids that I was willing to admit weakness, it showed them that it was okay for them to have weakness. And that's probably the most important thing that I ever did for my kids. And to end off this discussion, Mark, what would be one big takeaway you want my listeners to take away to live a more fulfilling life? I would just tell people, life has a way of, for all of us at times, making us feel like we're lost in the wilderness. Life was a great treasure hunt. And then at some point we got poison ivy, ran out of beef jerky and water, and we feel lost. I would just say to anyone, it doesn't matter what's happened to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. We have a purpose and we can know our purpose and we can move on from anything that's holding us back from living it out boldly. That's what I would say. You have a purpose. Awesome. Again, thank you, Mark, for taking the time to have a discussion with me in terms of finding your purpose. So how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Yeah, my website is markdelaney.com. That's the best way to reach out. Great. And again, I appreciate your time and Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.